Hello, I, I'm Nick Brown. I'm the Global Health Commissioning Editor on Archives of Disease in Childhood. I'm extremely pleased to welcome Lawrence von Sideline to speak about uh, a paper that I commissioned some time ago and has recently been published on malaria vaccines. Uh, welcome, Lawrence. Good morning. Lawrence, to start off, could you tell me a bit about the, the scale of the global malaria problem and, what, and why a vaccine is so desperately needed? Well, the WHO estimates there are, are 219 million cases of malaria and they caused about 660,000 deaths in uh, 2010. So it's a completely unacceptable disease burden still. There have been a couple of uh, very successful interventions. Um, the case management of malaria has improved tremendously. For example, there have been rapid diagnostic tests which allow the early diagnosis of malaria in field situations. So that was a big step forward. There is a currently highly effic efficacious um, anti-malarial medication available throughout the world. It's highly subsidized and it's available in the most remotest places. These are the artemisinin-containing uh, treatments. There's also already a problem, so because the um, in Western Cambodia, there emerged some, some resistance against this class of drugs and this resistance is spreading rapidly. So it's not, it doesn't have a really secure future, this, um, this, this current uh, treatment. And then of course there are the um, long lasting impregnated bed nets, which also had a huge impact on malaria control. Also heavily subsidized by international donors, available globally in very remote places, but uh, Bed nets are also not a, a universal solution because they only protect you when you sleep under the bed net. As soon as you get up, if you have to step outside the bed net, you are unprotected again. Then a lot of um, mosquitoes adapt to this uh, to these bed nets and bite before be before people go under the bed net or early in the morning when the people come out from from under their bed nets and have to go to work or to school. So there there are a lot of good interventions around, but they are not sufficient really to eliminate malaria. That's that's extremely helpful to, to know to, to know the background. Um, what what's the history behind malaria vaccines? I know they've been around for a while, but my understanding is they're they're still a work in evolution. If you could tell us a bit about the past history and where we've got to at present and the present candidates, that would be very informative. Yeah, I mean, it's more than fifty years ago, long time ago, people tried to develop protective vaccines, safe and protective vaccines. And it has been a really long run. So this intense effort to find a vaccine and the minimal success in the past, I think indicates how difficult the problem is from the immunological standpoint. And the, the history was really rather checkered. The one vaccine which had a, had a lot of promise was developed by a um, Colombian pathologist called Emmanuel Pataroyo and his vaccine candidate was called SPF 66 and the early trials in Colombia were quite successful and showed that this vaccine was safe and protective but then when it was tested internationally particularly when it was um, tested in Thailand as well as in um, the Gambia and in Tanzania it basically failed so 
Emmanuel Patoroyo got a lot of attention before and there were a lot of uh, media attention. He was very exposed publicly and uh, was already celebrated as sort of a hero and then came the big disappointment and something like this is always then causes a big test of disappointment in the community and, and, and a lack of uh, interest follows it. There is this, this big upswing of, of hope and then comes the disappointment and people are a little bit down then afterwards. Currently, the most promising uh, candidate is uh, developed by GlaxoSmithKline um, with, with uh, support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And that vaccine candidate is making steady progress. There have also been some ups and downs. Um, the, uh, this, this vaccine candidate contains a part of the circumsporozoid protein. And um, it's, it is actuated. It needs, uh, it's, it's used in a complex together with an adjuvant system called ASO1 or ASO2. And this vaccine has been quite protective in the early trials in the little bit older children, that's children above five years of age. But uh, for public health purposes, it would be ideal if you could combine a new vaccine with the vaccines that are in the expanded program of immunizations. And so the attempt was to introduce it in the younger age group, this vaccine, this RTSS vaccine, and that was not so successful. So when the initial trials were provided a protective efficacy perhaps of um, 60% or 50 to 60%, when it was tested in the younger children, the, the youngest infants, then the uh, efficacy dropped down to 30%. Now, if you have a disease with this huge disease burden that we mentioned before, more than 200 million cases and more, more than 600,000 deaths every year, a 30% protection would also be a huge step forward. But it becomes a little bit controversial. And what happens in the future if you do a vaccine like this? Is there going to be resistance? Is it going to spreading? How long can you maintain this kind of protection? What's the feeling about the relative lack of immunogenicity in the younger children? Is it because they're immunologically different? Or they may be still protected by the um, uh, passive transfer of, um, of immunity from their mothers so that there's sure. some interference between the, the antibodies yeah. that they have received from their mothers. Could be another reason. Yeah, sure. And, and this vaccine, what's it based on um, in terms of um, uh, parasite antigen? It's uh, based on the circumsporozoid. Um, that's one of the stages in the um, in the life cycle of the the parasite. Um, they come the when the mosquito injects saliva into their human host, then the sporozoids, which are in the salivary glands of the mosquitoes, are more or less accidentally also injected into the human being. So it's a very low number of of these parasites, and they have to cross through from the from the skin where, where they are injected into the liver and then they multiply in the liver for one to two weeks and from there they are released out of the out of the liver and become blood stages so that's for the falciparum malaria the other form of malaria which also causes a lot of damage i mean there are four species of of uh, plasmodium but the most most commonly encountered ones are the falciparum malaria and the vivax malaria. And the vivax malaria causes these hypnozoids in the liver. But now the, the more deadly form of malaria is falciparum malaria. So the first focus of uh, malaria vaccine development targets falciparum. 
and and not yet Vivax. There are also some Vivax candidates around, but it's I think is for the international malaria community a little bit lower priority. Sure. And in terms of other other candidates and the future, Lawrence. Okay, so we talked about the, um, the this most prominent uh, candidate, which is the RTSS, and yeah. then I if you would rank them. Personally, I would probably make number two the um, killed whole parasites. That's an approach which was uh, promoted heavily by um, Stephen Hoffman. And um, he had some initial success with this approach. So these are the, um, the, the whole parasite vaccines. They worked quite well in uh, chicken and mice. And then they uh, came a lot of problems so what they do is they, they irradiate the, uh, the the whole mosquito and when you put a, basically a, a whole swarm of these irradiated mosquitoes and therefore irradiated sporozoites in the salivary glands of these mosquitoes into a cup and hold it to the skin then that provides quite um, effective protection. Now that's not a very practical approach obviously you cannot transport uh, irradiated mosquitoes and I mean it's just it's just unthinkable as a public health measure but the uh, the proof of the principle was there and then the next step what they did was to find a way to isolate these uh, salivary glands of the mosquitoes and get to the sporozoites and then use the sporozoites and um, and uh, use to inject them and unfortunately um, despite the earlier progress this uh, this approach was safe, but didn't provide any any protection when it used uh, when it was used intradermally. Mm. And so then the next approach that they were uh, looking for was to inject these irradiated sporozoites intravenously, and that again mm -hmm. was quite um, protective. If you use five rounds of these vaccines, I mean it gives nearly 100% protection in a limited number of uh, of subjects, admittedly. But now the problem is that you have a vaccine which has to be transported in liquid nitrogen and it has to be injected intravenously. So, I mean, if you think yeah. about hundreds of millions of people that you would like to vaccine, it's probably not the easiest approach to go this way. No, not, not so practical. So what, what do you think the future holds, Lawrence? Where will we be in 10 or 15 years' time? GlaxoSmithKline and the Gates Foundation seem at the moment determined to go ahead with their vaccine, with this RTSS vaccine, and they are on, on track with getting it licensed. And if this vaccine, even if it's not the ideal vaccine, if it's not the perfect vaccine, could be licensed, I think we would be a big step further because it yeah. would then go through this whole regulatory mechanism and it would set an example how this can be done. Yes. And if I, the, the plan is to get a license by 2015, so that's only two years away, and I think that would be a, a, a gigantic milestone in the malaria vaccine development and something really to look forward to. What you do then with the vaccine is a quite a different question. The vaccine has limited uh, waning immunity, so it probably protects only for three, four years. So there is a need for a booster. How this booster works is not known. There are trials ongoing at the moment to find out how much protection you get from a booster. So mm -hmm. that may be one way of dealing with it. And there may be some positive um, results coming out later this year in 2014, 2015. 
Sure. Then what is really promising, I think, is if you had a vaccine, which at least initially in the first six months provides a lot of protection, maybe even more than 60, 70 percent, and then rapidly veins, at least you have these six months during which you can protect whole populations. So if you use this vaccine approach, perhaps in combination with some really drastic other intervention, like a mass drug administration, the, the combination of two interventions would perhaps allow to eliminate malaria from, from targeted regions where there is a lot of uh, malaria endemicity at the moment. So that's perhaps a promising, promising approach to look forward to. Um, if nothing is done, I mean, there is a risk that things turn around. The, uh, the, uh, the two main interventions that I mentioned earlier, the bed nets and the case management, both are threatened by resistance. So a lot of progress has been made over the last 10 years particularly. There's a lot of reduction in malaria burden in many parts of the world, but that's reversible. If you have, it happened before when chloroquine resistance popped up in Africa, mortality over a couple of uh, years increased uh, rather dramatically. And that's a big fear, I think, that many people in, who work on malaria have that something like this could happen again. So if you had a vaccine like RTSS in the background and you combine it with intensive treatment, perhaps you can make some inroads and, and, uh, and actually manage to interrupt transmission. So that's basically our big dream, I think, at the moment that we achieve something like this. Well, it, it sounds like fantastic strides been made since the 80s and 90s. It's, it, it's, it's fascinating seeing the whole thing evolve. I'd love to think I'll be asking you to, to write another paper in you know, three or four years time with an update. Maybe we should be looking at that and um, good luck with everything, all your work. Thank you very much, Nick. Pleasure.